Welcome to the Practical Idealist Podcast, aligning what is good with what is possible. I'm your host, Allison Bueller, Director of the Homestead Education Center, and the focus on this show is real change for better health, home, and community. program is brought to you by the Homestead Education Center, a nonprofit organization located in Starkville, Mississippi. We're in the midst of a series called Coming Home to Heal, which when we designed it, we had no notion of how accurate it would be. We had no inkling of a pandemic or a self-quarantine or words like social distancing. We did understand that people have a lot more power than they think they do when it comes to healing themselves, their families, and their communities by focusing on physical, mental, spiritual, and financial health. We understood that we wanted to tell people how to make changes that would impact their quality of life, decrease their dependence on an overburdened health system, and free them from financial debt and bankrupt consumerism. The corona pandemic just magnified everything we were dancing around and made it distinctly clear for us. Right now, where we live, Mississippi is under a state of emergency with recommendations to practice social distancing, hygiene, and responsible preparation. This is especially hard for me because my father is in the ICU several hours away and I can't be with my family right now. I'm learning new depths of surrender and reliance on faith, other people, and the love of community. But my dad taught me one thing clearer than all the rest of the things that he shared with me. He preaches and he lives if you don't know what to do serve others. Today I'm hoping to serve this community on The Practical Idealist with accurate information and useful advice while we take steps to slow a pandemic. Joining me today as our guest is my favorite human and physician, Mike Bueller. Mike is a radiologist by training and has been following this virus since the beginning. Welcome, Mike. Glad to be here, Allison. Thank you for doing this for me. Everybody who knows Mike knows how this, this is definitely stepping outside of his comfort zone. So let's start at the beginning. What exactly is COVID-19 and why is it different from other viruses like the flu? All right. COVID-19 or COVID-19 is simply the term or name given to this coronavirus by the World Health Organization. Um, it is a coronavirus, which is in the same family as, as all the common colds, uh, which is different than the family of uh, the typical flu. And uh, so essentially they, they've given it a name uh, so that everyone can be on the same page as far as what they're referring to. Okay. And why is it different from the flu? How is this virus different? Well, this is uh, different and significant because it is uh, sort of a cousin of the common cold. But it is a novel coronavirus, novel meaning new, and it, this is genetically different to a significant degree that it is, is like a different species. So finding like a different species of bird or turtle or other animal, uh, a species of virus that human beings across the planet have never been exposed to. So there is no herd immunity, any, any immunity for anyone. So this makes it a first encounter uh, for any individual or collectively to deal with this virus as far as their immune system can be somewhat difficult. Uh, and specifically, that is because uh, this virus, although in, in 80 
to 85% of people will, will produce only a mild illness, you know, somewhat similar to the flu, maybe even less than the flu. And in a small percentage of people, you know, maybe even no symptoms at all. But unfortunately, this virus uh, has been found to have significant and even severe complications in a, a larger percentage of people. So for instance, 15% uh, of people will have significant uh, illness requiring hospitalization. 5% of people will require uh, intensive care, uh, such as uh, intubation and respiratory support. And what about the spread rate and the death rate? This is also uh, another significant difference from the flu. So, so the common meme that, that has gone around is that, you know, this is just like the flu or, or more people uh, have problems with the flu or more people die with the flu. So, so this is incorrect uh, for several reasons. Uh, the rate of spread or the infectivity of this, this virus is, is significantly greater than the flu. <clears throat> so in the medical community, in the epidemiological community, they, they refer to this as the, the R-naught, or, or in layman's terms, uh, someone that has this, how many people will they infect on average? So for the flu, that number is somewhere between one and two. So someone with the flu will, on average, infect perhaps one person, maybe two. With this uh, COVID virus, it's been found that this uh, R-naught number is somewhere between uh, three and six. You know, this is still just a couple months into this, so, th so the science is not final on this, but we know that it's between three and six. It's a big, it's a big, big range, but it's, it's, it's orders of magnitude greater than the uh, typical flu. Okay, do you think that the measures that we're seeing being taken by the government all over the news right now, do you think this is an overreaction? In a simple word, I would say no, uh, that, that the, the reaction and, and uh, state of emergency uh, declarations by both the, the president and individual states are on the whole uh, a reasonable response. Now, uh, one issue is is that several states and areas are, of our country are clearly in a, a step ahead than others. So what, what is absolutely uh, reasonable in one area could be, you know, a little, seem a little bit early in other areas. But, but overall, the, the, you know, the government is making the correct recommendations of, of social distancing and, and um, uh, all the measures that we're seeing in the media and in our local communities, be it school closures, um, and recommendations to cancel sporting events, the NBA, the NCAA. Overall, the answer is the correct measures are being taken. Uh, the issue is, is that in many places in this country, we're not seeing the effects of this yet. And we're, and we're wondering, you know, what, you know, why are these measures being taken in the absence of people sick around me? So you're saying you don't think it's an overreaction. Is it an underreaction at all? No, I, I, I believe, I believe it's, it, at this time, it, it's overall appropriate. Um, it's not going to be perfect for everyone. In some places, perhaps it's too late. In some places, it, it's maybe a bit early. But on the whole, it, 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 is, it is appropriate, in my opinion. And do you think this is because we've learned from other countries? I, I believe so. I, I believe that uh, the experience in, in China... Uh, China's reaction, which uh, at, at a distance uh, from the United States seemed very extreme, and I wondered exactly you know, how, how this was justified to quarantine essentially 500 million Chinese people and whole cities and whole states in, in China, but, but uh, I think now it, it may become evident 
why those measures were taken. Uh, also in Italy and Iran are the, are the three worst areas uh, of the world where this is, is manifested. Uh, the, re the recommendations of, of social distancing, of hand washing, of using masks uh, when appropriate uh, is, uh, is needed to, to flatten the curve, and I'll get into that in a second, uh, or slow the rate of infection in the population. Okay. So if people follow the re recommendations, social distancing, hand washing, and masks when appropriate, can we really expect to flatten the curve or slow the rate of infection? I, I believe we can. Th this, is, this is really the key. Google flatten the curve, coronavirus, some keywords, and then, and then hit images, and you'll, you'll see this graph where you have a steep sort of parabolic curve, and then you have another one on the same uh, graph where it's, it's more flat and, but more extended. You'll see then a horizontal line that goes near the top of that flat, more extended curve. And that is, is, that is the capacity of the healthcare system. So, so the key is to slow the rate of transmission and therefore the number of people presenting to the hospital systems with significant complications so that the hospital systems are able to take care of all, of all these people appropriately uh, without uh, creating uh, issues as far as uh, space in the hospital. So, so these measures are effective. They've been proven to be effective in, in certain areas of the country. So, for instance, South Korea, Japan, uh, Singapore, uh, other, uh, other countries, uh, and even in China, have, have shown that, that the, although they may seem, ex seem extreme, that they can be and will be effective if implemented to, to keep the hospital systems functioning normally. And what else can we do to prevent from getting the virus or build our immune system so that if we do get it, we could handle the virus better? Okay, so uh, let me take one step back and that, uh, as we've seen in the media, that it is true to some extent that, that, that people that are older and have complicating medical conditions, be it diabetes, hypertension, or immuno immunocompromised, they will, will obviously, just like the flu, have a more difficult time with this, with this illness. Uh, but healthy people with, with no illnesses are, are also susceptible, but just at a lower rate. Um, but in general, you have to, to maximize your own individual health uh, to the best that you can. So uh, smoking is something that has been shown in China to be a significant risk factor for having a greater uh, response and, and, and worse uh, complication rate. Nutrition is, is, is very important. Uh, you know, fruits and vegetables, you know, all the things that we sort of know that are healthy, that, that we, we do on occasion, need to be increased and become a more prominent part of our, our diet so that we're getting these, these nutrients a natural way and not have to artificially get them through multivitamins, which is also something that we recommend. Um, but uh, when, you re when you receive nutrients and vitamins through your food, they're much better absorbed and incorporated into your body than just getting a supplement or a vitamin. But that being said, uh, specifically, vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin B are the big ones. And, you know, uh, any, probably need to take a, a multivitamin in addition to that. Uh, elderberry um, in its many forms, be it a syrup, a pill to swallow, or, or the gummies that are out there you'll see on the shelves are also good. Uh, there are several others and many others, in fact, that, that you can find, but those are, those are sort of the key ones that, that we'd recommend. I'll put a link in the show notes to several local herbalists around here, and we have been stocking our medicine cabinet for weeks now with this, and it's, it's really important to know what you can take to prepare and support your body. So I'll put that in the show notes, and you can find that there if you're local. Anything else we should be doing to boost our immune systems? 
Uh, I believe that's th- those are the main things. Um, just you know, staying mentally mentally healthy. I mean, there's and, and not panicking. You know, the you know the fear response. You know, generates a release of of adrenaline and and epinephrine and and all these things into your into your body that that are not good for your immune system. So so you know, staying mentally calm. Uh, which can be difficult is is something to do. There, this is there's no reason to panic, and uh, unfortunately we're seeing some of that. But you know, we have to just try to resist that and try to stay level-headed. So how are hospitals preparing? Uh, hospitals are definitely preparing, and I I've been part of that. Um, our hospital locally has has a plan and a, a fairly good plan, I, in my opinion. It, this is something that, uh, that uh, of course, we have never faced, nor has anyone in this country in our lifetimes. So we, we have a plan, you know, that is, that is a step-by-step plan, depending on what we see as far as uh, uh, patients presenting to our emergency department uh, or otherwise. And then we have a response uh, based on the, uh, the data that we see, the, the patients that we see numbers-wise, uh, that will go through a protocol of what of what we do as far as taking care of patient and everyone is is very is uh, very much you know looking forward to to doing everything they can to help so what can we do to help hospitals i i've heard stories of people going into the er bringing their entire families clogging up er's like that what can we do to help hospitals best serve people I think one thing um, is to is to call ahead to the hospital, a call to the emergency department, to call the hospital's general number and get transferred down to the emergency department uh, uh, reception desk and and perhaps the triage station, and say that that you have concern that you you may have the the COVID virus. Now they'll they'll run through uh, some questions that perhaps may may reduce that that chance and and and. Um, you know, uh, uh, hopefully give you some peace of mind. But if they if they do feel that that is a consideration, they will ask you to do whatever is based on their protocol at their ER. I, I can't speak for every ER. Some ERs may request that you come to the ER and 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 come into the the front door as usual. Others may have you stay in in your vehicle, and 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 a nurse may come out and take your information there. Uh, there are many ways uh, that this could be approached, and there I don't know that there is a, a best strategy. So what are the, some of the symptoms that we should look for? And if we do suspect that we have the virus, what do we do? Okay, the, the, these symptoms, just like the common cold, are, you know, unfortunately very nonspecific and symptoms that we frequently have. And we, we have all, all had these symptoms over the years. We've all had a cough. We've all had fevers. We've all had fatigue and achiness. But those are the symptoms of this uh, illness in its early stages. Um, shortness of breath is is something a little bit more concerning. So so legitimate shortness of breath. You know beyond um, just concern and anxiety sort of induced shortness of breath. You know the, just the typical mild flu type symptoms can be the manifestation in the early stages. Uh, in more significant cases, the, the the shortness of breath will will be such that that patients will need to get to the hospital for for oxygen and, and uh, respiratory assistance and, and those are the patients that just that need to go to the hospital and, and get treated uh, they are general symptoms it, you know a lot of people are going to have the common cold and, and are not going to have this this and that's what a lot of people need to understand is that if you have cold-like symptoms, there's a very good chance you just have the common cold and you don't have the coronavirus um, or you have the flu Flu season is still in effect. It's, it's near the end of the flu season, but 
So, so don't jump to the conclusion that you have the coronavirus or COVID-19 if you have respiratory type symptoms. What do we do if we, contra- if we contract the virus? What should we do? If, um, if, if you uh, receive a, a test for the, for the COVID-19, uh, which usually takes a, a day or two or three to return, you will be contacted and, and there is a, a protocol in place that, uh, that will go into effect, which if you're not requiring hospitalization, that you'll need to practice isolation uh, with, at home. And of course, all, the, all your contacts will need to be um, uh, isolated or quarantined or self-quarantined would be the better term for 14 days. If, if you do need to go into the hospital as deemed by the, the emergency department, um, then again, the protocols will kick into place and, and you'll most likely put into, be put into an isolation type room and uh, supportive care, as, as is the case for this, this viral pneumonia, will be instituted. And most blogs that I've read about people that actually contracted the virus, they just stay home and kind of treat it like the flu. They, you know, increase fluids and take Tylenol and, and cold medicine. Is that appropriate? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, that, and that's part of the the whole social distancing uh, paradigm that, 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 that needs to be practiced for the next month, perhaps two months. I mean, we have to be, I think, ready to, uh, to make this more than a couple weeks. Uh, and, and patients may wear thin after a few weeks, but um, until, until we see how this manifests across the country, we, 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 we don't want to uh, give up on, on this social distancing too soon. We want to make sure that that, uh, that curve is flattened uh, over the next uh, month or two months, and, um, and the health system is able to cope and, and manage uh, all the patients that, that come in. Are you hopeful? Absolutely. I, you know, it, it, I, I think this very well could be a, a difficult time, you know, it, it, and certainly you know, more difficult than, than many of us in our lifetimes have experienced, but you know, if we all do our part and, and, and do our best and, and, and don't panic and, and do the things that we, 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 we and others recommend as far as trying to boost your immune system, and, and uh, I, think, I think we can, you know, certainly get through it. I mean, other countries have, have done a, a, a good job of, of getting through this and, and getting beyond it and, uh, and give uh, time. That's the other thing we didn't mention is that by flattening the curve and giving time, if we can uh, get nine, six, nine months, 12 months, or however long it takes to, to make a vaccine available, then that, that's kind of where we need to get to. And then, and then maybe we'll have a, a handle on this um, over that, uh, perhaps in, in nine to 12 months. So what are your recommendations for mental health during isolation? You're, you know, many of us aren't used to going 24 hours without being around other people. What do you, what do you say about this time that we have of social distancing? Well, that's that's maybe even more difficult than the medical side. You know, it, it can be challenging to be at home with your family and children for an extended period of time, especially our children right now. If you're not if you're not used to that, uh, but you know, use that act- time. You know, activities. You know, get out the board games, get out the cards. You know, um, a great idea that I saw was was uh, you know, of course, to to rest, get plenty of sleep. There's no reason to. You know, if you're not waking up for school, then then sleep in. You know, uh, get nine hours of sleep, get ten hours of sleep. Uh, another suggestion I saw was was to uh, is to plant a garden. You know, uh, you know, make it a family activity. It's something everyone could learn from if you have the ability to do that, either in the in your backyard or on a windowsill. And talk with your family about you know practicing personal hygiene. You know, washing your 
hands three, four times a day. Um, you know, if, if you do have a cough or an illness, you know, to, to, you know, cover your, cover your mouth in the appropriate way. Um, and, uh, in general, just, um, you know, try to, to get closer and, and good terms with your, with your family and friends and family, you know, you can utilize, uh, FaceTime and Skype and, and other methods to, to still maintain social contact with people. Yeah. We're trying to embrace slow living here. So we're trying to enjoy our time. Thank you so much for that. And I'd like to leave all of you with a poem by Lynn Unger. It's called Pandemic. What if you thought of it as the Jews considered the Sabbath, the most sacred of times? Cease from travel. Cease from buying and selling. Give up, just for now, on trying to make the world different than it is. Sing. Pray. Touch only those to whom you commit your life. Center down. And when your body has become still, reach out with your heart. Know that we are connected in ways that are terrifying and beautiful. You could hardly deny it now. Know that our lives are in one another's hands. Surely that has come clear. Do not reach out your hands. Reach out your heart. Reach out your words. Reach out all the tendrils of compassion that move invisibly where we cannot touch. Promise this world your love for better or for worse in sickness and in health, so long as we shall all live.